is Edward Marlowe in the For Those Who Inquired podcast, and um, yeah, for those who inquired, Neil and I are over the phone at the moment because the weather outside is frightful, and the snow is so delightful. Neil, how much snow did you get today? Uh, I haven't measured. I went out to uh, Mega Gym and did a workout this morning and came home and haven't looked outside since, so I really don't know anything that's going on outside. I have no idea, <laughs> but it was very slick. Whenever I was out, dropped by the store to pick up a couple of items, and when I got home at about eleven thirty, it was uh, really nasty out there. Spoiler: so, I'm Not really sure how much. But yeah, I, I probably got as much as you did because we're close to you. Yeah, yeah, no, I obviously, yeah, we're pretty close to Murray, but uh, different parts of the county have gotten quite a bit of snow. Lots, lots of snow really across the Commonwealth. Louisville and Lexington have impounded. The Western uh, Western Kentucky Parkway has a large pileup right now. Uh, Governor Andy Bashir has called out the National Guard, I believe, earlier today. So definitely a lot of snow uh, all across the Commonwealth. But Callaway County, I think, got like six inches, maybe more. It's insane how much snow. And uh, unfortunately, uh, the snow comes like 24 hours before a special called Board of Regents meeting. Neil, what? What do you make of that? There's a there's a Board of Regents meeting this Friday at 8.30 in the morning, and all it says next to it is conference <laughs> realignment. <laughs> well, there's wow. been speculation that um, something might be coming down. If it was going to come down, we thought probably right after the new year, and right. saying, here it is. Because I couldn't see it happening if it wasn't going to happen maybe second week of January, something like that. So, yeah, I was, I guess, surprised when I saw it, but I wasn't shocked. Uh, I, uh, with all the presentations that had been made and based on everything that I'd read, uh, that, uh, Murray State had a, at least made a good presentation, but, uh, would that lead to an invitation? And it looks as if it did. And now it's, uh, pretty much all down to the voting by the Board of Regents. Neil, it's, it's crazy. You and I, if you think about all the podcasts we've done, which has been several, you know, some, you know, in this new iteration under for those who inquired, but some prior 2017, I want to take us back just a little bit. You know, I know that feels like an, an eternity ago and, and it, it, in some ways it is so much has changed since then. But in 2017, when a lot of this conversation started really developing and, you know, I, I remember even where I was, I was, I was sitting in my desk at the Paducah Sun, and I was surfing Twitter, and all of a sudden, John Rothstein tweets out, and that's where I saw it first. I'm sure there were a couple other sources, but that's just where I saw it. Rothstein said, you know, Wichita State leaving the, you know, leaving the Valley, which we all knew was coming. They were headed to the American. And, uh, yeah, Murray State and Valparaiso were favorites to be replacements for Wichita State, and it was red alert then, you know, and you fast forward to now and all the time that's happened between 2017 and all the good things, the bad things, the middle things, both for the Missouri Valley and the Ohio Valley Conference. I, Neil, are you just, are you surprised at this point uh, of where it's all kind of come down to? Or I, I know it's a lot to think about, but, I mean, what are your just initial reactions and thoughts to the idea of the Missouri Valley Conference after everything both conferences have been through? I think the last time, uh, I think the university 
was, I think, maybe poised to perhaps do it, but I don't know that all the ducks were in a row on either side. I don't know that that an invitation ever came from them. If it did, I didn't know anything about it. Right. Uh, And I don't know from a money standpoint if uh, I know there was action taken to get the university ready, but I don't know if it was ready or not. So I actually don't know the details. That's something, once this happens, I would really like someone to go back and let us know how close it was to happening the last time. Uh, but where, where I thought this was going to, to happen um, is once we started seeing the dominoes fall, Jacksonville State, Eastern Kentucky, Austin P, Belmont, uh, the, I think Murray State was really left with no choice but to uh, try to look for something better. And uh, this something better turned out to be, I think, really good, as good as I believe the university could hope for it. Uh, this is a conference that's really strong in a lot of different areas. Uh, I mean, they have a, a school even in baseball, and uh, their uh, affiliate um, in Dallas Baptist is fantastic in baseball. They're fantastic in basketball, very good in women's basketball. So it's a really good league, uh, and this is a tremendous step forward, I think, for Murray State because the OVC isn't the league that it used to be, kind of like the old gray mare, not not what she used to be, and neither is the OVC losing all these teams. Uh, I hear all all sorts of people believing, well, the OVC is dying. I don't think it is. It's just transforming. It's going to be something different. I think it'll go on, but it's just going to be completely different. And the racers, uh, I think, need to be in a better spot. And I think that vote on Friday will put them in a better spot if it turns out to be a yes vote. Yeah, I uh, a lot uh, obviously a lot's weighing on the fact that you know pretty much everybody is indicating that this is already a done deal and that Friday is a formality and um, you know I, I get that from an official standpoint you you do all the sh- the the dog and pony show why would you vote no I, I guess you can still technically you know jettison at the last minute and say no this isn't going to fit for us I don't <laughs> excuse me Neil I don't uh, foresee that happening that dry cough that exists right now in western kentucky is a real thing a lot of a lot of dry air right now with all the snow but uh i digress you're exactly right neil i it's one of those situations i want to read a text that i've gotten from an unnamed source i don't want to you know lots of unnamed sources here discussing some private matters and some some ideas but and some beliefs but uh, from a source here uh, the ovc has lost the most tradition rich basketball school in murray state the most tradition rich football program in EKU, the best football program in the past decade in Jacksonville State, the richest school in Belmont, and the quote, this is not my quote, but it's uh, someone else, the legend in its own mind conference champion in Austin P. State University. I Another quote from here, I don't know if a team like West Georgia can fill that void. And that's um, it's a scathing remark, but I don't know if it's inaccurate. You know, and West Georgia, that's just obviously an arbitrary D2, you know, just like randomly picking something out of a hat. That's not a actual thing. I don't know if West Georgia is a, you know, is even a concept at this point for the Ohio Valley Conference. We already know that University of Arkansas Little Rock is joining the Ohio Valley. You know, perhaps they are poised to be the next big program, you know, in the conference that comes in and, and does some special things. I know Arkansas Pine Bluff. Uh, has long been rumored as uh, an investigative school uh, for this conference, you know, that Murray State's about to leave. And, um, yeah, it's just really interesting, Neil. 
I mean, you know, where it's all shifting. Um, it's also crazy to think that in this exact moment, it's also your two best men's basketball programs. I mean, traditionally, maybe that's the case, but just mathematically, it's the case, both by the net and by uh, the Ken Palm. Uh, Belmont and Murray State are sniffing at large bids currently in a lot of discussions just based on the way that they played in their non-conference basketball slate. Obviously, if you avoid some pitfalls in conference play and maybe you're both playing for a championship or both teams make the semis maybe and, and have tough games, that their, their at-large bid scenario remains in play. And uh, it's wild to say that, you know, because, you know, three or four years ago, maybe that's not even a conversation, but today it is because of the way Belmont and and Murray State men's basketball took care of business to start the season. Neil, just is it crazy to think that it's extremely possible that the men's basketball championship this year will be two teams that are headed out? Yeah, it certainly could be. Um, at least that's what it's stated to be. Uh, now, you know, Moorhead State, I think, will have something to say about that. No, for sure. I can't really sleep sleep on SEMO. They're good enough offensively that they could wreck somebody's dreams. But if the two teams stay healthy and things go as we think they'll go, uh, Murray State and Belmont would be the likely two there. But, uh, I mean, with the talent, you know, Moorhead has, you certainly can't count them out. They could, they could be there as well. Uh, but it, it certainly could be. And, and you take a look at the net ratings. I looked at it today because I was very curious. Uh, the Loyola Chicago is the best in the Missouri Valley Conference. Uh, second, if you shot us both over there right now, would be Belmont. And third would be Murray State in the Missouri Valley right now. Uh, and then I looked at the other side of that. Once you take those two teams away, you do have Moorhead State. I think they're in, they're in the low 100s, uh, 110, 111, somewhere in there. And then it gets really ugly from that point on for the Ohio Valley Conference. I mean, really bad. So that anytime you win a game, you're killing your net rating. And, uh, and this year, to be honest, uh, many teams in the Missouri Valley Conference aren't great at the bottom part of it, but right. traditionally they've been better year in and year out than the, the teams at the bottom uh, level of the Ohio Valley Conference. So from a conference standpoint, from the basketball standpoint, uh, I think it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a no-brainer. But uh, you're right, uh, the commissioner could be handing the trophy to uh, a team and know it when they're going in. If it's Murray State and Belmont uh, on championship night, the OVC tournament, just going to be heading out the door with uh, their OVC trophy. I want to take this to a different discussion as well. Everybody's going to talk about men's basketball, uh, and rightfully so. I understand that the Missouri Valley Conference is a powerful men's basketball league. The Ohio Valley Conference has been tradition-rich with basketball as well. Uh, Murray State's been a big part of that. Obviously, Belmont coming in has been really successful the last eight or nine years. Other teams have stepped up to the plate in the past, present, and probably in the future with NBA-like talent uh, and have done some special things in the NCAA tournament. It's not just in. It's not just been all Murray State. But I say these things. A move to the Missouri Valley. I want people to remember, first of all, Murray State probably doesn't make it to the Missouri Valley without its success in the Ohio Valley. And I know that sounds like a vanilla blanket statement, but there needs to be, I guess, uh, some appreciation there in my eyes. 
you know, when when you form a league in 1948 based on the pretense that you're trying to, you know, promote your teams and your schools and your conference um, and the history that this league has made, you know, it is unfortunate that the original founding members are no longer going to be a part of it, but there needs to be some thankfulness there. Uh, like, hey, wow, we were able to do this on this platform and we're just taking that next step. I, I tweeted the other day. I think the Ohio Valley Conference will continue to be an incubator league uh, in which it will nurse programs, uh, smaller budgets and things like that to uh, a healthy status. Uh, and hopefully, you know, if those schools are good stewards of their resources, they'll be successful and make a difference and eventually probably want to go to another conference. That being said, I also want people to understand that a move to the Missouri Valley Conference for Murray State is more than just men's basketball. There's so much at stake. Neil, you've already mentioned all the different sports that the Missouri Valley, you know, uh, hosts and and that most of them are successful in their own right. This isn't just a men's basketball move. And um, academically, you know, this is a league that's half private, half half public. And there are a, a lot of academic opportunities at stake for Murray State University, not to mention the fact that, you know, you've got an airport that's fixing to go in and be improved in Paducah that's getting millions upon millions of dollars in renovations. So, you know, there's just, it's such a multifaceted move for Murray State University to jump to the Missouri Valley Conference. I I, I don't know, maybe maybe you agree, Neil, or maybe you have some extra points to add to that. Yeah, there's a lot. And one thing I wanted to mention, you talked about different sports, and I had posted something on this about women's basketball uh, as well on the, on uh, my little Facebook account. Uh, and I love the way they do it. I haven't really been critical. I think the LBC, they do as well as they can with uh, what they're given. But the one complaint that I had, and they're not the only league to do this, is uh, that they run the men's and women's tournament concurrently. You know, they, they want to talk about, um, oh, you know, what's equality, Title IX, and all this stuff. And then you have a tournament. Uh, and they're, they're given crap start times. You know, they play in the daytime, except, uh, and then on the championship day, they play early in the afternoon. That's not a big deal, really, for a Saturday, to be honest about it. Right. But, uh, it, you know, they're kind of treated the way I look at it in terms of their times that they play. They're like second-class citizens, and that's that's not right. It isn't, it isn't at all. Missouri Valley Conference, they play their tournament in the Quad Cities area, specifically Moline, Illinois, uh, it's a it's a community that wants that tournament. Uh, you know, it used to be in St. Charles. It's been there here for several years. It's the week after the men's tournament. They get their own great start times for the higher seeded teams. Of course, uh, you know the lower seeded teams. That's part of it. You play bad times. You have to earn the, the good start times. But they're the they're the stars of the event. And to me, that's the way that it completely should be. And I think that's another. If if this does uh, come about, and it looks as if it's going to. I think that's another great thing. Uh, it'll be a step up in competition, yes, as far as uh, uh, the top-to-bottom teams in the league, but also uh, that, that's where they'll get a chance to shine. It's their own tournament, spotlights on them, and I think it's a great deal uh, for women's basketball and uh, something that I wish the OEC had done, but uh, they never could really make it work financially. Neil, you brought up some great points. Uh, something else I want to mention is we talk about other sports uh, and their potential move to the Missouri Valley. And, again, we say potential loosely. It does seem like it's a fairly open and shut discussion. Again, 
the Valley isn't going to extend an invitation just to have egg thrown back at its face. But, uh, you know, crazier things have happened, you know, and it's 2022. You know, we, we always need the previous year to hold its beer so that we can find something new to be crazy about. But, you know, in the event that we make this move, a lot of questions uh, surround two specific programs at Murray State. Uh, uh, first of all, Murray State Rifle. I know you don't necessarily have to be affiliated to make an NCAA tournament. You know, it's a situation where you can just be really, really good all the time and play as an independent and and make your bid to the NCAA tournament by points and by success. But, you know, Murray State Rifle has been a, a staple in the Ohio Valley Conference for, you know, obviously for since its inception for years. And then Murray State Football obviously is the big, big question that you and I have addressed multiple times, and we've got to address it again since it's not particularly clear. It's officially a different conference, even though there's a lot of similar foes in the Missouri Valley uh, football conference. So, I, I mean, I, you and I have both heard some indications that it seems Murray State could be headed to the MVSC uh, in a future year. I, what are your thoughts on those indications or, or where that possibility even lies moving forward? Well, first on rifle, there are only four teams, and, and that's if Jacksonville State's still considered. I think they were this past year. If they're still considered a rifle team, there's only four teams that compete in the OVC. Right. So it's not like uh, there's there's uh, this big clamoring for rifle as a league sport. Uh, rifle is fantastic at Murray State. I think it'll still thrive, do fantastic. I don't think that's a, really a, an important aspect of um really having the rifle program go on. It needs to to uh, continue. It's just been a tremendous asset to Murray State, uh, bringing great students here, recognition to the university, and one of the premier rifle programs in the United States. I think it will continue to be. I don't think it needs a conference affiliation. And who knows, there may be an associate affiliation somewhere. I don't really know if that's even uh, something that they would look into or not. So it will roll on. Uh, the Missouri Valley Football Conference, they drew pretty much a line in the sand. I think it was last year uh, when there was, I think, maybe another school or two that uh, had uh, been mentioned as far as expansion. I don't know that they ever really addressed it. They just simply came out and said, we're fine the way it is. We like it the way it is. We have the right number of teams. Just added North Dakota. Uh, we're on a two-year schedule. You know, they, they're, uh, they'll they flip-flop them one year and the next year home and away. And so uh, all was good. I didn't think that it was possible. Uh, you said yesterday that uh, you may have heard that it might be uh, the racer football team going to the Missouri Valley Football Conference. And it's like, well, they would have had to do a completely 180 if that's the case. <clears throat> and then my only source that I have uh, on anything along that line uh, who has two sources said exactly the same thing. He's hearing that that's where Murray State will be headed is to the Missouri Valley Football Conference. So should that be the case, that, in my opinion, it's the premier FCS football conference. And I mean, you could be an eight-win team in the OVC and finish fifth or sixth in the Missouri Valley Conference in some years. That's how good they are, the Missouri Valley Football Conference. That's I mean, they're just absolutely fantastic. So the racers, uh, they'll have to recruit better if that's the case. Uh, and people have talked about, well, it's going to be all sorts of travel. Not really that much. You're not going to play every team. If it's, uh, you know, 11 teams, you're not going to play all of them. You'll play probably six, maybe seven games, and that's it. And two or three of them might be lengthy travel, but uh, you'll get the home games out of it and have great competition. And here's the great part, Ed. You're going to be playing teams every week. 
they have, I vote in the poll, they have multiple teams in the top 25. Yep. And uh, you're going to beat teams that can get you in a large bit if you win those games. So, uh, you know, if you don't win the games, if, you, if the Racers uh, have a bad season, well, then they have a bad season. But uh, to me, uh, you have Dean Hood, who is, uh, to me, is, the, is exactly the guy you want for something like this. Uh, he knows what it takes to exceed at every level. Great coaching staff. Uh, they'll have to recruit better, and I think they can recruit better because of the conference they're going to be in. So they kind of go hand in hand. Uh, if, if that does come to fruition, and I think we'll find out tomorrow. I really do think we'll know. I don't think we're going to get a, well, we don't really know about football yet when the regents meet. I believe we'll get a, here's what's going to happen with football tomorrow. And right. if it's the Missouri Valley Football Conference, well, here's what you've done. You've uh, put your football team into the best conference in the United States at their level. Yep, totally agree there. Uh, I think the only what's other wrong with that? Is... I'm just saying. I mean, what's wrong with that? I realize, oh, yeah. well, it's highly competitive, but well, that's fine. Get better, uh, have better teams, and uh, somewhere down the road, uh, who knows? You might be gunning for one of those championships. It may not be real soon, but somewhere down the road. Uh, I, I think it's a, it's a fantastic opportunity. Yeah, um, no, I so totally agree good. with you. Um, no, Neil, I totally agree with you, man. I totally agree with you uh, 100%. It's one of those situations, too, and I'd say the Big Sky is probably one of the only other premier leagues that, you know, if you get an invitation there from a football perspective, you'd love to see it. You know, and there's other FCS, you know, conferences that are really, really good, but certainly the Missouri Valley uh, is in that top discussion. Um, right. going back to Missouri Valley football conference discussion, just in this last year, and again, this is very, this is recency bias. This is recency discussion. You know, historically, the Missouri Valley football conference has just been very, very good. But just in the immediacy, just thinking about what's happened in the last year, North Dakota State finished seven and one and 13 and one overall in the, you know, seven and one in the conference. Missouri State, really good, six and two, eight and four. It's not been that long ago before Murray State and Missouri State were playing slugfests against each other in that weird series that they had. South Dakota State, 5-3 and three and 11-4. and four. They were really good. The Jackrabbits, Southern Illinois, a regional rival on more than one level. They finished 5-3 and three and 8-5 and five and also had a really nice playoff run. South Dakota, 5-3 and three and 7-5. and five. I'm going to keep going down here because it's just you're not wrong. You talk about the wins and the quality of opponent. Northern Iowa was ranked for part of this season. They finished 4-4 four and four in the Missouri Valley and 6-6. Six and six. Indiana State three and five and five and six and was competitive all year. North Dakota three and five and five and six. Illinois State, the Redbirds, they've had years where they were ranked. They finished two and six in the league and four and seven. Youngstown State, you know, has always you know had Bo Pelini. They've been good at times. Two and six, three and seven this year. And then Western Illinois was competitive all season long in the Missouri Valley. They had a couple of sinkers. Finished two and nine in 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 uh, overall and two and six in conference play. Everybody had at least two conference wins. That's how big of a dog pile. And North Dakota State did not finish unbeaten. They lost a game, you know, obviously, you know, in the Missouri Valley. So it's you know this is a and I believe it was the SIU, wasn't it, to start the season? I think so. Yeah. yeah. That so that's what I'm saying. So like, or what? Really, it, yeah. No, I think maybe maybe that was in the spring. Heck, I don't know that they ran together. Yeah, I cannot. You know what? I'm gonna go look real quick. Okay. I want to say, I want to say North Dakota State lost. 
from a football perspective, yeah, I'm going to look real quick. I'm right here. We have the Internet at our fingertips. I do believe North Dakota State lost to uh, Southern Illinois. And, uh, no, I'm sorry. It was South Dakota State. Yep, that's right. It was. Anyways, okay. that's how competitive the league has been. That's how good Missouri Valley football has been. Not only do they beat up on each other, but they do a really good job beating up on other opponents outside. And, by the way, they typically steal. I feel like every year, I need to go look at the math on it, but every year they steal an FBS win on top of that. And they're like, you know what? We're just going to go beat them, too, and they're going to pay us to be there. So, you know, you're right, Neil. When you're talking about the Missouri Valley Football Conference, it's an opportunity that the racers, you know, if they're invited and that comes to fruition and we find out details on all that, it seems to be that would be a real, a really good decision. Uh, in the meantime, Neil, we've got a few things, obviously, at a local standpoint that have to happen. You know, I mean, the show goes on. You're in the Ohio Valley Conference now. I know Murray State women's basketball, unfortunately, had its slate cleaned out. Uh, this week due to COVID protocols, they are not making their Illinois trip, uh, not due to the racers, but due to their opponents in EIU and SIU Edwardsville. Unfortunate, but it does give them time to rest. It gives uh, Macy Turley a little bit of time to rest. She missed the OVC opener, and then they had a tough loss to a tough team in Tennessee Tech at home uh, and fell to 9-4 and four this past Saturday, uh, but did happen to finish 1-1 one and one in the first week of the OVC. So, Certainly a lot of things to pull away from that, that, that loss against Tennessee Tech. That's a good team. You know, Neil, obviously you and I were both there. Uh, was a good game. Racers didn't particularly shoot the ball well, didn't rebound as well as they have this season. And that ended up leading to a loss. Uh, but obviously, you know, another week to, to find some opportunity. Meanwhile, Murray State men's basketball has one game this week, again, for the second week in a row. And while that may be great from a rest standpoint right now, we're starting to see the schedule back up already a little bit with now two games having been canceled and, and postponed uh, to further in the year. And they play a, an SIU Edwardsville team, Neil, that you know a little bit about. I'm looking at some numbers as well. They are a surprisingly decent 6-7, and seven, if that makes sense. Like, uh, what do you what do you make of what do you make of SIU Edwardsville right now? Well, I know earlier in the season, my son, I think it was texting me something and said, "Are you watching this SIUE Creighton game?" Like, no, why would I? Because they're they got them down like double digits. So I flipped over and watched, and Creighton did end up coming back on them, but uh, they're uh, <laughs> they're weren't as bad as they had been in the past. Uh, and uh, this Rayshawn Taylor kid. He was a redshirt freshman, averaged about 17 points per game. Uh, shooting good. three pretty good. Yeah, good free throw shooter. He has been uh, the igniter for them. Uh, they have some size. Uh, they you know, have some guys that they can bring off the bench that provide a little bit of size as well. So uh, not as bad as they have been in the past. They Here's the thing that they really do. They defend really well holding teams to right at 40%, and that's, that's the racer goal from field goal percentage. You want to hold 40 or under and uh, under 30% from three range, and they're at 30% from three range. They don't shoot it really well. Average about 69 points per game other than uh, Rayshon Taylor. Uh, they they just don't really shoot all that well at all. Uh, Lamar Wright, because his shots are point-blank range, only averages about eight points a game. Uh, he, he's a little over 50% from the, the field. 
But uh, they only make 43% of their shots and just 27% from three-point range. So they do have their issues. Really good rebounding team, and usually they're pretty tough up there. The good news is, and if you could take any good news out of it, usually, Ed, this is a two-game swing. You get Thursday. Those Saturday games are tough on a road swing. This is just uh, go up. We're gonna, uh, the racers will leave in the afternoon on Friday, play an afternoon game on Saturday. I think that tips at 3 o'clock and then be back home. So uh, it's not, not the grueling road trip that you usually get uh, whenever uh, you usually have this uh, EIU and uh, SIU trip. The, the bad news on that side of that is those you talked about the game stacking up, the racers are going to have a 16-day period where they have eight games and the depth of the team is going to be greatly tested in that one. But uh, this is one on Saturday if the racers do get to play it. And as of right now, all indications are that that will happen. Uh, this should be a game that if the racers play as they have been and defend well, uh, they should be able to win this one, uh, you know, probably in the double-digit range. Yeah, I mean, you look at the math on it, sure. Uh, I totally agree with you there as far as the spread is concerned, but – you, you are looking at, I mean, you look at some numbers. It's interesting. I mean, they do. They rebound the ball well. They've got about a, a six-board rebound margin, plus 5.7, in fact. They don't turn the ball over a ton. They they do turn it over some, but they don't they don't turn it over a ton, and they force turnovers. Uh, they're really, really good at forcing turnovers, in fact. So it's just, you know, one of those situations. Yeah, as a matter of fact, they, they commit 15 turnovers a game, but they force 15 turnovers again, and they actually have a positive turnover margin. So uh, it's not necessarily even from a steals perspective. They just make they make teams uncomfortable. And uh, you're not wrong about the shooting. The shooting has kind of been a struggle for them. But, man, defensively, they've just done a really, really good job, particularly on the defensive glass uh, where they've, you know, outglassed opponents for most of the season. And so it is going to be interesting. They've got, they go about seven deep. You've got Rayshon Taylor. You've got Sean Doss, uh, who's averaging, uh, almost 12 points per game, not shooting it particularly great, but is playing about 31 minutes, shooting at 44%. Not been a great three point shooter, you know, not been a great free throw shooter, but has rebounded the ball pretty well and, and doesn't, you know, he's got 15 steals. They have 88 steals, Neil, in 13 games. And so, you know, uh, Shamar Wright, you've already mentioned, uh, looks like Dijuan Pruitt, I believe, is not playing a ton, but he's played in 11 games of 13. Lamar Wright has played in all 13. Courtney Carter, Desmond Polk, and Jonathan Curtis have all played 13 games as well. So, you know, they're not necessarily as, I would say, as deep as the racers. As McMahon looks like he's been going about nine deep you know, lately, and, and has continued to push that even into the first game of conference play. But, um, Neil, something I wanted to ask you about, too, uh, with the transfer of Elijah Farr, we did find out this week that Elijah Farr, after not being able to suit up for a single minute for the racers, has already put his name in the transfer portal. Uh, what do you make of Murray State's depth? Uh, obviously, it is going to get tested in that big stretch at the end of January, but, you know, you've got Tevin, KJ, Justice, DJ and Carter Collins that have been consistently starting, but what what do you make of Murray State's de- uh, depth at this point in the season? I think it's really really good. And uh, one other thing on SIU, they haven't played since the 21st of December, so it's a huge layoff for those guys by the time they play again. But I think the depth is fine. I think what you'll see is Jordan Skipper Brown probably getting more minutes, especially during that stretch. Uh, especially if you play as he did against Southeast Missouri. And he, right. he knows the OVC. I think he'll flourish against them. 
Uh, a player that I think you'll probably see get some more playing time would be Jackson Civil. And if there's some guard issues uh, in terms of uh, minutes, uh, maybe some guys wearing down, uh, Deontay Bossy could probably get a few minutes here or there, as well as uh, Jaquan Smith. We'll uh, see some increased minutes. So I, I think from a, from a depth standpoint, it's fine. I think it would have been better if Farr could have played, but uh, just an unfortunate uh, situation for him. Uh, concussion that he had ongoing issues with and then uh, made a decision to uh, to transfer. I'm not sure, since he was so far behind physically, uh, kind of having to start over from a physical standpoint, uh, if he would have uh, made the court this year or not anyway. So I, I don't know that how much help he would have been. Uh, had he been healthy now, he would have been, but uh, that wasn't going to happen. And that's kind of what uh, they were dealing with. But uh, I like the depth of the team. I think it's good for an OVC run. Uh, they have, uh, as long as they stay healthy, this is a team that has all the tools they need to accomplish the goals they want to achieve. Let me, let me ask you this, Neil. If uh, if I had told you 13 games into the regular season that Carter Collins will, would have only taken 66 shots and that he'd be, let's see, one, two, three, four, fifth? Yeah, fifth. I have that right. Just did that live. Fifth in shots taken by the racers this year so far in what's virtually been the first third of the season. Would you be surprised, concerned? Would you have a comment on it? Like, what, what would you, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, cause that's what we're looking at. He's taken 66 shots, hasn't shot it particularly well, but has been good in big games and big situations. What, what would be your make of that? Well, if you had told me that before the season started, I, I would have just thought, well, he's just making the shots he's taking and he's going to average 10 or 12 points a game. That's not what I thought you would get out of uh, him. Uh, that hasn't happened consistently. Uh, he's had those uh, breakout games here or there, uh, the Memphis game being one of those where he makes a few shots. But the thing about him, he, he's not a shot hunter, doesn't hunt for his shot. He's not a guy, hey, I'm going to get mine. I'm going to get my 10, 12 shots a game. Uh, but the good thing about him, he doesn't take bad shots, Ed, and he, the rest of his game is solid. He defends well rebounds well, runs the offense well. He's a good teammate. He's everything that you want in a kid. Uh, ideally, if you, if, uh, you know, you love a lamp and a genie pops up, you'd like to, uh, maybe, uh, get a wish for him to, uh, pop that up to maybe, you know, 10 points a game or more. Uh, but he just isn't real, uh, as aggressive as I thought he would be with his shot. Uh, but again, the best part, he doesn't take bad shots. It disrupts the flow of the game. Uh, I like what he's, what he brings to the team. A good kid, good teammate, and he always has that. Trust me, everyone has tape on what he did in his previous uh, uh, run in college basketball. They know what he can do, so they have to take him serious because he can have that 12, 15-point night at any given time. Well, and I think it's funny you mentioned that. One of the things that I definitely wanted to discuss is the fact that Tevin Brown, KJ, and Justice Hill, and even Trey Hannibal off the bench have just been playing so well, and then you've got D.J. Burns, Kind of, kind of relishing in, in his return to full action on the basketball court. You have all these guys. Carter's, Carter's fifth in minutes as well. He started every game, you know, for the Racers, but he hasn't been hunting his shot and instead has watched these other guys blossom, be it Tevin Brown, which, you know, is good anyway, you know, but he's been playing extremely well to start the season. KJ has had some really, really bright spots and is playing like an all OVC candidate. Justice Hill is taking that leap. He's shooting 46 point six percent from three uh and has a three to one assist to turnover ratio and is third on the team in steals. He's been playing extremely well. 
you know, and then you've, again, you've got DJ Burns, who's kind of come out like a guy shot out of a cannon after missing a lot of last season due to some health complications. And he's playing at a pretty high level, averaging nearly six and seven, you know, 6.7 rebounds. And so you've got these other guys, these other starters that are all playing so well right now in key situations. And you've got Carter Collins that's kind of willing to take a back seat. You know, he's kind of like a, kind of almost like more of a vocal leader that maybe, you know, yes, he had a huge game against Memphis. You know, he played fairly well, you know, against Auburn, but didn't become that third scorer, but didn't turn the ball over a ton. Has he averaged his 11 points per game, you know, like he used to do at Davidson? No, but instead he's in the middle of every big play. Every time somebody gets a dunk, he's the first guy that's meeting them at the rim and, and, you know, off the bench, he's the first guy that meets people on the, on the floor when the timeout comes. Like I'm seeing like the little things that the little leadership things that come from someone who's been there and done that, you know, like he's been there and done that. He was at Davidson. Kellen Grady was his backcourt teammate. He, he spent four years hunting his shot at Davidson. He doesn't need his shot at Murray state. He he's watching these other guys get their shot. I will say this. I'm sure he would love to be shooting better than 34.8% from the field and 26% from three. Um, but those will come. There's probably going to be another game, you know, where, you know, his percentages are going to take a jump up. You know, he's averaging about 24 minutes a game. He's been seeding some of that time to some forwards in Nicholas McMullen and, you know, and Jordan Skipper Brown and into some guard play out of, you know, Daquan Smith, you know, and, um, and Trey Hannibal. So, I mean, yeah, I, I think that's where, where it is. Every time a racer gets a dunk, he's like the first or second guy that meets them and says, hey, man, that's what we need. That's what we're doing. And so I don't know if I'm right or wrong in that discussion. I still think he's an, he's just an extremely valuable player. I mean, but, yeah, I'm sure he'd love to be scoring more than five points a game right now. But he just – you're right. He has not been hunting that shot. He's not – ruining the flow of the offense just because his averages are down. And uh, that, to me, just tells tells me that's a consummate teammate, somebody who's willing yeah. to wait and be patient. 100%. And to me, that's the kind of guys that I think Matt and his staff wanted to bring in here, someone that uh, impacts winning. They say it all the time. Uh, he doesn't have to score to impact winning. When he scores, it does impact it, but he can do many, many other things that impact winning. And uh, I think Carter Collins does that, and part of the reason the racers have an 11-2 start is because he's a member of the team. No, absolutely. Neil, I, here's the crazy thing, man. We've talked about a lot, and I know that we could talk about a whole heck of a lot more. Uh, the crazy situation that we're in right now, I, I I know you and I illuminated to the fact last week that that it was extremely possible that the racers would have to have some sort of decision made or the Missouri Valley or somebody was going to have to have a decision made in the next couple of weeks due to, you know, these um, you know, these deadlines, these pesky deadlines that come with scheduling and having to find opponents. And yet here we are, you know, all of a sudden, six, seven days later, with some sort of clarity involved as to where Murray State is headed. Uh, Neil, I'll leave you with this. Is it crazy to think that... Yeah, you know, that I, I, I do have one thing to add. I do oh, think, yeah, okay. and we'll find out, the, we find out tomorrow, I do believe, and I keep hearing, and I have no authority on this, but the OVC hasn't found its sixth football team. 
I still have a feeling they may at least give them a one-shot deal to uh, be in the OVC next season because otherwise you have five OVC teams that will be competing for hopefully an at-large bid and cross the fingers. Or they can get the automatic bid, leave Murray State in, and the winner of the league gets to go to the FCS playoffs. I think that's a lot to lose. Uh, It's not going to be a great situation. I I do think the Racers will probably end up playing their OVC slate. The question is, will they play it as an associate member for a year, or will they play it as independents? Because football, it's just too much to kind of scramble for all those games. Uh, I think the better situation would be allow Murray State to do a one-year stay in the OVC for football, and then go to wherever they're going to go for their landing spot. Like for 2023. Yeah. Exactly. I think think that's a great point. I think that's a – Best for all concerned if they can make it happen. Yeah. No, I think that's a great point. I think we're going to get some clarity on that really soon. Uh, And that's kind of, you know, what I was trying to close up with, and you're exactly right. I'm glad you interrupted me because that's a great point, you know, that Murray State football – these schedules are just made so far in advance, not just Murray State, but all over the country at every level. Your your football schedules are made so far in advance, homes, aways, pay games, buy games, whatever it is, you know, whatever it is you're using to make your schedule, they are made so far in advance that it when you disrupt them, you're not just disrupting one team, you're disrupting like three teams and sometimes five and then seven and then sometimes everybody because you have everything so chiseled and locked into place that, you know, you 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 you've got to get that all done and lined out and ironed out before you start working on what the rest of the schedule is going to look like. So it's not just a little pee wee league, you know, where you call up your you know your town next door and your other town, <laughs> excuse me, to the other side of you and say, hey, here's what we're doing. You want to play some football? It's just it's not backyard football. It's too much of a profession uh, to to have that happen. Too much of a too much of a hassle to just willy nilly the schedules. So I'm glad you brought up that point. So. Neil, uh, like I said, been fun, been real, and been real fun. And uh, here we are. Uh, yeah, I, we're, we're going to learn a lot oh, so, tomorrow. And, so now uh, that the bacon's cooking, you're going to let me go, right? Yeah, absolutely. The bacon's been cooking now for a while. So, <laughs> yeah, I, my podcast is now in my kitchen, what? and my wife cooks in it frequently. So, yeah, I'm, absolute, I'm absolutely going to let you go and go get something to eat. So, Neil... We, uh, we'll talk soon. Have a safe trip to SIU Edwardsville, and uh, we'll see how everything shakes out. All right. Thanks, Ed.